Hi, welcome to another inspirational message recorded live at Oceans Unite Christian Center. And amen. Well, good morning again. It's good to be with you. And um, Pastor Alex asked me to take the service this morning. So I just want to extend my honor and my gratitude to Pastor and Pastor Naomi. I thank you guys so much. I love you guys. I take it as a privilege and an honor every single time. I really, really do. So thank you. And if each and every one of you could just receive me as an extension of his ministry rather than a replacement in his absence, I would be very, very thankful for each and every one of you. Amen. And amen. Wow, what a week or two that we have had. We had the Holy Spirit Fire Conference last week. And the atmosphere is still electric. I sent, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell on myself a little bit. I sent pastor some feedback from first service. And I told him, I said, man, it's still going. I said, this was an easy atmosphere to minister. And everybody's on fire after the conference, pastor. So it was good. It was really good. And you know, you know it's really good when on a work night at 11 o'clock at night, the church is still packed and we're still having a party for Jesus. Wild bunch. Amen. I'm so thankful to be a part of the wild bunch. Orderly bunch. <laughs> Amen. But wild for Jesus nonetheless. And then this last weekend we had, uh, yesterday, we had E1 and E2. I said this last weekend. Yesterday we had E2 and I love E2. I think um, of all the e-courses, that one is my favorite and I got to sit in the sanctuary and watch as the revelation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit began to come upon people. And it was like the little light bulb started going off. And then, and then even better as they came forward and many received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of power and praying in tongues. And for me, that's amazing because the most important day of my life was the day that I got saved, followed by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because everything in my life changed, followed by my wedding day. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Take notes. <laughs> okay. But no, and all, all jokes aside, seriously though, the baptism of the Holy Spirit for me was life changing. And the reason is because as soon as I got baptized in the Spirit, my spirit man began to grow. And as it would begin to grow, the words that were in this book were no longer just words on a page. It was no longer just a story about some man that we know as Jesus. He became a reality to me. He became a revelation to me. The word went from logos to rhema. It became alive in me. It began to breathe inside of me. And when something begins to breathe inside of you and it begins to come alive inside of you, you begin to live it because there's a faith that is there that wasn't there previously. Something comes alive. And when faith comes alive in you, you begin to walk in it. If Christianity is boring, you're doing it wrong. Come on, somebody. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit, for me, it might be different for you, but for me, that was the life-changing deal. Because I, I recognized after that, I started getting more sensitive. Not in like a, like a he-man, she-man kind of way. Like more sensitive in the fact that like I would be around people and I would just get this overwhelming compassion that I know wasn't me. But it was he who lives in me. Okay. So in any event, that was amazing. And so this morning I want to talk for a little bit about prayer. And I think of all the topics in the Bible, th th that one's probably my favorite. I love prayer. I love it. 
And for many people this morning, this may be like very basic elementary doctrine to you. And, and please just bear with me for the sakes that I'm, I'm sure, I'm quite positive, there are, there's somebody in here that's going to glean something from this this morning. Amen. I just want to give a few keys about prayer because I really believe one of the, the, one of the things that our pastor, the heart of our pastor has for this body and this nation is, is to draw people to Jesus. To, to help point people into a direction that there would be a body, that there would be a group, that there would be an army that is raised up that is madly in love with God. And a huge key to that is prayer. Why? Because prayer is simply communicating with God. And how can I have a relationship if I don't talk? See, in the youth, um, we did this illustration quite a while back, and I brought two young people and I set them on a the stage, and they were both friends. They knew each other. And, and all the youth were looking at me very strange, kind of like some of you right now with the same illustration. And they were like, what are you doing, Pastor Mike? And I said, don't worry. And I told these two, they were friends. I sat them up on a stage and they got a chair. And I said, listen, I want you two to just have a conversation. And they're like, in front of all these people? I'm like, yeah, just have a conversation. Well, what about, Pastor Mike? I don't know. What do you guys talk about? Your friends. Oh, okay. So they started talking about school and sports and so-and-so, you know, hurt his knee, and then, you know, so-and-so shot a three-pointer at basketball, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and they carried on, and they carried on, and carried on. And in about two minutes, we were able to recognize and point out a bunch of things that prayer is and prayer isn't based off a conversation from two people, because realistically, prayer is just simply talking to God. It's having a conversation with God. See, I realized in just a two-minute conversation with two kids on a stage that those two didn't struggle to communicate in the sense of the one didn't feel like he had to have this excessively large vocabulary to get the ear of the listener. He didn't feel like he had to use a bunch of religious theological words to get the ear of the person that was listening. He was his friend. So we just talked to him. You know, Hannah, I was at basketball and I shot a three-pointer and then I tripped and I hurt my ankle and, you know, I got hauled out and I got some ice for it and it was really easy. How was your day? And then see, watch that. How was your day? Notice in that moment that the talker closed their mouth for just a minute and opened their ear. Because, see, communication and relationship isn't one-sided only. Isn't one person babbling on and 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 on about the same thing over and over and over and over and over again and never giving the other person an opportunity to speak. I want a relationship with God where I open my mouth and I say my feelings, but in the same breath, I have a moment where I shut my mouth and I open my ears so I can hear him speak back. Are you with me? These two didn't feel like they had to impress each other. Sometimes when we go to God, we feel like we need to impress him with a specific. I don't like the word language. I said language in the first service, and I don't like the word language because I don't want to get it confused with tongues and vocabulary. Is that okay? I feel very strongly about praying in tongues. I know I said the T word in church. But it changes you. Please come to the e-course. If you have no idea what we're talking about, please, I, I beseech thee, brethren. Next E1 and E2, please come to it. It is life-changing. Amen? But they didn't feel like they had to impress each other with some kind of vocabulary. So 
That's what I want to talk about this morning. Let's dive right into the word. Can we do that? Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. And this is where we'll start and we're just going to go through this verse by verse. Is that okay? It's a little bit untraditional for the way that I, I like to teach, but I don't know what God's been doing lately. I've been doing this in the youth just about every week. We just take a story and just go for it. So we just pray the Lord knows what he's doing. He, he does know what he's doing. What am I saying? Oh, oh, Pastor Mike of little faith. <sighs> okay, amen. And when you pray, you shall not, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you that they have their reward. So I say this at the youth, you know, you got little Tommy and little Johnny, they got home from school, just got home from school. Mom and dad are still at work. Got the house to themselves. Plop it on the couch. Break out the Xbox controller. You're going to town having a great time. A couple hours go by. A couple hours go by. A couple hours go by. They've done nothing but drain their mind into some video game online. They hear the car pull up. Door closes and they're like, oh. Mom and dad home. They throw the controller in the coffee table. They run to the bedroom. They kick the worship on really loud. They almost shut the door, but they leave it cracked because little Johnny and little Tommy know what they're doing in there. <laughs> and mom and dad come home and they hear the music and they're like, oh. It's the sound of angels. And they walk and they look through the specifically cracked door and they look in and oh. Little Johnny and little Tommy, they're so anointed. They came home from school and they've just been praying and worshiping for the last three hours. You lie, you fry. Little Tommy and little Johnny been playing Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> the couch is still warm, Mom. Are you with me? I'm so tired of fake Christianity. Lay our Bible out on the kitchen table when Mom and Dad get home making dinner and we're reading like this. Oh, she's in the kitchen. Oh, she's looking. I don't want to be seen by man. I don't want to be affirmed by man. I don't want to pat on the back by man. I don't want to sound as though I'm ungrateful. Because I promise you, if it, you know, God only knows my heart when I say this. But when Pastor Alex comes up to me and says, good job, my boy, gives me a pat on the back. You have no idea what that does for me personally. But ultimately, I would much rather hear God come to me as much as I love that. Hear my heart. As much as I love that, I would much rather God come to me and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I want to hear that long before I get any affirmation from a man. Are you with me? The time for fake Christianity is over. You know, you know, Brian said it last night. He said, you know, I don't want to be that Christian that's got the Christian t-shirt and is fluent in Christianese. And that's so true because I don't either. I, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I am what I am. And if I'm going to go into my room and worship, I'm going to go and do it not so that mom and dad can see me and see how holy I am. I'm going to go and do it because I have a heart after God. And he responds to that. You know what he doesn't respond to? <laughs> okay, I'm going to carry on. Verse number six. But when you go and pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. When you go into your room, shut the door. Shut the door. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, shut the door. 
we got to shut the door. We got we to gotta, we gotta shut the door on distractions. I know in a lot of uh, translations, it talks about going to your closet, your prayer closet, and there's nothing wrong if you have a closet that you like to pray. And I don't care where you pray, as long as you pray. You can pray under a bridge. You can pray in your car. You can pray in your house, your basement, your attic. I don't really care where you go, but just go, right? But it says shut the door. Can I tell you why? See, if you're anything like me, and you might, you might be in some respects, when I go to my prayer room, I shut the door. That's great. But even when I shut the door, there's still distractions. So it's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. See, worry is a distraction. Anxiety is a distraction. Stress is a distraction. My cell phone that is sitting face up on the the, the, the desk in the office as it's playing the worship music that I'm busy praying to can be a distraction because as soon as that light comes on and a notification hits, I went from being real spiritual and real holy to going, oh, who just texted me? I know I'm not the only one. The dog's barking in the house next door. Whatever you got to do, I beseech you, brother and sister, get and shut the door on distractions. If you got to get in your car and drive to another city to get on a beach where there is nobody, if you got to drive out to Three Lakes Management Area and get as far back in the woods so that you are as isolated as can be, you got to shut the door on distractions. Shut your phone off. Shut your tablet off. Shut it off. Why? So that it's you and him. The number one thing that kills intimacy is distractions. Oh, that's good. I didn't, that just came out just now because I didn't say it in first service. The number one thing that kills intimacy, intimacy, intimacy with the Father, intimacy with our God is distractions. Married people trying to have date night and little Tommy's just being just he would just will not go to bed come on somebody <laughs> number one thing that kills intimacy is distractions we got to get we got to shut the door on it is that okay I got a lot of raised eyebrows at me it's true I didn't say anything that wasn't untrue amen watch this it says but when you pray to your father who is in, in the secret place, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And I like this because Ephesians 6 and 12 tells us that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the powers and the principalities and the rulers of the darkness of this world and, and spiritual hosts in heavenly places. So that tells me that the battle is not against me and RJ. It's not a physical battle. The battle isn't against me and President Biden. It's not a physical battle. Ultimately, nine times out of ten, the devil doesn't come and ring your doorbell with his trident and his little fiery tail and his weird horns and say, hey, you ready to go? He doesn't. It's a spiritual battle. But see, what happens in secret is rewarded openly. So that tells me that when I shut the door, I get rid of the distractions. The very things that I deal with on my knees in the secret place get 
openly shown to the world. See, that's the one thing. See, we can be really holy to the world and put on a facade like, like, like Brian says, put on our Christian t-shirt, be fluent in Christianese, say the right things, do the right things. We th hold our hands up and worship. We bend our knees at the right times. We take communion and look real super holy. But at the end of the day, we're putting on a facade and nothing is going on in the secret place, but it's in the secret place that the giants are slain. It's in the secret place that the walls come down. It's in the secret place that we win the battle. And it's in the secret place that we begin to take ground for the kingdom. And when you do it that way, it manifests naturally in the open. So on a day-to-day -day basis, you look like everybody else. You look like just a normal person. But what they don't know is you hit your knees and you've got into the secret place. And the difference between you and everybody else in the world is when you walk around after coming out of the secret place, the lion of the tribe of Judah is busy taking ground for the kingdom. And Jesus is manifested in your life, not because of what you do openly, but because of what you do in the secret place. Battles are won in the secret place. See, I would much rather people see the evidence of Jesus in my life because of what I did behind a closed door than to put on a facade in front of everybody and look holy for a minute and then get caught out 10 minutes later. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. And, and I, I studied this in the Spirit-Filled Life Bible, and I love what they say about vain repetitions. They say it's like an incessant babbling. They just carry on and carry on and carry on and carry on. And they just say a lot of words hoping that they'll hit the mark. And, and in DTC, we learned with Pastor Harold about shotgun prayers. And, and for those of you who are not um, active gun owners. I am. I like guns. And I have several shotguns. And, and so I'm going to use the term um, shotgun prayers because a shotgun has the ability to pretty much shoot anything, right? Um, but in a single round, there's, you know, gunpowder, a wad, and then a bunch of BBs, scatter shot, right? Bird shot, buck shot, whatever it is. And the purpose of it is, is when you're you know, generally for hunting, I mean, you can shoot it for clay targets or whatever, but generally for hunting, an animal that's on the move that is running, you just scatter shot something. You need a broader aim because your margin of error is much higher. Everybody with me? So one, one shot and you get hundreds of BBs. Well, it's not hundreds, but you get what I'm saying. There's a lot of stuff that goes out. But see, Jesus in this moment is saying, don't be like that. I would much rather you say less and be more effective with one word than to just shoot a bunch of random prayers in the atmosphere and just really hope one of them hits their mark. See, I think of a sniper, and I really, really wish we would all get like spiritual snipers in the realm of the spirit that when we would pray. Because see, the one thing about a sniper, he looks down his scope. Everybody seen Chris Kyle? 
Yeah, there we go. Okay, all right, you're with me. Okay, the sniper looks down a scope, and as he's looking down the bead, he watches his enemy. He studies his enemy. It's calculated. He knows down to the second which step he's going, where he's going, and what he's about to do. And when the moment is right, he pulls the trigger and hits his mark. I want to be like that when I pray. I don't want to just shoot a bunch of stuff out into the atmosphere and just hope one of them hits its mark. No, 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 no. If the enemy's going to come against my family, I'm watching you, devil. You better know I've got my eye on you. I'm calculated. I know your steps. I would much rather pray more in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. Say less in English, but when I open my mouth. But that's the key. But when I open my mouth. Calculated. Specific prayers but we still got to open our mouth. A Christian who opens their mouth is the same spiritually as a sniper pulling a trigger. Oh, come on. That's good news. I think the air blows right there. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you need before you ask of him. In this manner, pray, therefore, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but rather deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, and yours is the glory forever. Amen. This is the model that Jesus lays out for us to pray. And I don't believe there's another model in the world that we should follow any better because if we're going to learn from anybody, I think learning from Jesus is the best example. But I love how he starts it off. He says, our Father. Our Father. Jesus could have taught us anyway, but he specifically chooses to tell us he's our daddy. We share him. Okay, let's go to Galatians 3 real quick. Galatians 3 and 26. It says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you were as baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you all are all one in Christ. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to that promise and heirs according to that promise. Now, I say that the heir, as long as he is child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is a master of all, but under... But is under guardians and stewards until the time until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption, the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, therefore you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Our Father, 
Our Father, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. It's, it ascribes a, a holy aspiration to him. He, he's holy, but he's still our Father. See, and I know this is tough for many because not everybody has great earthly dads as an example, but I want to encourage you this morning to let you know that our father in heaven is the best father. He is the best daddy. And when you talk to him, he listens. Just talk to him. He just wants to hear from his kids. That's it. You don't need any special language. Vocabulary, pray in the Spirit and then pray to the Father. Tell Him about your day. Include Him in your day. And watch this. Include Him in the good times. I love talking to God when I'm in the tree stand or fishing. I love it. You might think I'm crazy, but I think it's awesome. See, that's the thing. If I only go to my dad with selfish problems when I'm in a situation or in a circumstance and I never include him in the good times, that's kind of a one-sided relationship, don't you think? If I would take my earthly dad to the tree stand or if I would take my earthly dad on the deck of the boat, why can't I bring God the Father? Why can't I bring the Holy Ghost alongside me? See, it begins to create a relationship, and then it builds a strength and a trust there that it's not just one-sided, that I'm not only going to cry out to you when there's problems, I'm also going to cry out to you when things are going great. And it's always great on the deck of a boat. Somebody say, amen. Are you with me? Include him in everything, every day. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You're my daddy, but yet you're still holy. Is everybody with me? Okay. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I, I like this. I like this because we have a tendency, or at least I have. I'm telling on myself this morning. I've had a tendency in the past to get frustrated with God because I pray and 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 I feel like I don't see the answers. Has that ever happened with anybody? And you're sitting there and you're going, God, what is wrong? I don't understand. Your word says that you hear me. Your word says that you answer when we begin to pray. But why am I not seeing the answers to the prayers that I'm crying out to you for? Well, the problem wasn't God. The problem was me. Because I was so in the flesh that I was praying manipulation type prayers that were outside of the will of God and they were contrary to his word. That's why being led by the spirit is so important. The dog that gets fed is the dog that gets fat. The dog that starves is the dog that dies. Gets scrawny, withers away. I'm going to paint an image for you. We've all seen the terrible commercials that play in the arms of an angel and we all cry and it's the kid eating and the, the dog that's just got his hip bones out and it just makes you want to adopt every animal on the face of the earth because you feel so bad. That dog didn't get fed. But Miss Rose down the street, bless her heart, who's been feeding that little chihuahua cheesecake every single night, looks like a, a sausage on a popsicle stick walking out the house. The dog that gets fed is the dog that gets fat. I promise I'm going somewhere. See, there is a constant battle between the flesh and the spirit. What are you feeding? Mm -hmm. 
go back to good old Galatians. Galatians chapter 6, uh, 5 and 16. It says, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the lusts of the flesh, uh, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. There is a constant battle going on. I do the things I don't want to do, and the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. Right? There's a constant battle going on between our flesh and our spirit. What are you feeding on a day-to-day basis? What are you filling your spirit with, and what are you feeding your flesh with? Because ultimately, the dog that gets fed is the dog that gets fat but if you are led by the spirit you are not under the law now the works of the flesh are evident which are adultery fornication uncleanness lewdness idolatry sorcery hatred contentions jealousies outbursts of wrath selfish ambitions dissensions heresies envy murders drunkenness revelries and the like of which I tell you beforehand just as I told you In the time past that those who practice such things, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no long. And those who are Christ have been crucified, have crucified the flesh with its passions, have crucified the flesh with its passions. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. And see, that That's the thing, is the Holy Spirit is constantly leading us as we begin to walk this road, as we begin to pray in the Spirit, as we begin to build relationship with the Father, as we begin to serve, as we begin to worship, we're constantly being led in the Spirit, but ultimately we have a decision. What is our response? Because the Holy Spirit is there, and He's got His hand, and He's trying to lead you in a specific path, but we ultimately have the choice to go, "Mm, no, I don't know. Mm -mm. I'm going to go feed the flesh a little bit because the the old fat dog's kind of hungry. Are you with me? And see, all this ties back into prayer because ultimately, the more we are led by the Spirit, the more that we walk in the Spirit, the more that our spirit man begins to mature, we stop praying selfish manipulation type prayers that are for our flesh and we start praying prayers that the Holy Spirit would drop in us that align with the Word of God and the will of God. If you want to see answered prayer in your life, start praying Scripture. If you want to see answered prayer in your life, stop praying for for all the things that your flesh desires and start praying for the will of God to be made manifest in your life and you will see more breakthroughs than you have ever seen before. And I have a confidence when I say that because his word says that. And I can take him at his word. If there's one thing we can do, we can take God at his word. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. See, forgiveness is a huge thing. In youth, the one night, we brought this young man up to the stage. See, you can only give what you've freely received, right? Brought this young man up on the stage. I said, young man, can I have a candy bar? And he just looked at me. Uh, Pastor Mike, I don't have a candy bar. I said, well, give me one. He says, well, I don't have one. I said, okay, no problem. So go over and have one of my leaders bring him up a candy bar, but not any candy bar. You know, not the little cheap ones that you throw out during Bible trivia. You know, it's like, you did good. Here you go. Here's a little treat. Not one of those. I'm talking $1.79 double king size candy bar. You know what I'm saying? Brought him the candy bars. Hand him the candy bars. All right, young man, can, can, I have, can I please have a candy bar? 
And he looked at me for a second. He hiked up his jeans a little bit, and he's sizing me up. He's looking at that. He's only got one candy bar, and the temptation is there. I think I can outrun him, and by the time he catches me and tackles me, I'll have this candy bar consumed. You know, and, and <laughs> praise the Lord, he was obedient, and he's a very good young man. He handed me the candy bar, but the temptation was there. See, he didn't want to give it up real easily because he only had one. Okay, no problem. So I handed him back candy bar, and then I had a leader bring up a whole grocery sack full of candy bars. $1.79 double XL king candy bars. You know what I'm saying? And he was the Mac Daddy at youth. I mean, just he had it to give. You know what I mean? And when I walked up to him that time, now he's got a whole, I, he, the young man's got $40 worth of candy bars in a grocery sack. I said, young man, can I have a candy bar? I said, pass the mic. A candy bar? I'll give you two. See, it's really easy to give something when it's freely given. And that's the beautiful thing about Jesus is we have been forgiven. That blood has been shed for you and for me. And if that freedom flows to us, if that forgiveness flows to us, we should be able to freely give it. The word says that you should forgive your brother 70 times. Seven, don't allow unforgiveness to hinder your prayers. Let that forgiveness flow, even if it's you got to forgive yourself. Amen. And do not lead us into temptation, but rather deliver us from the evil one. Do not lead us into temptation. I like this one as well. Again, this is a model for prayer. Jesus is outlining for us how we should pray in a way that we should pray. Again, change the way that we do things a little bit. See, we oftentimes have this perception. You know, Jesus gets baptized by John at the Jordan. The Holy Spirit descends as a dove and he gets anointed. It's like his moment. Jesus begins to step into his ministry. And you would think he would go out and miracle signs and wonders would just manifest everywhere he went. But no, he, he was led into the wilderness to do a 40-day fast. And then, everybody say then, he was tempted. See, temptation is not something that is isolated to just me and you. Jesus, 100% man, 100% God, was also tempted. The difference was, was when Jesus, the way he responded to the temptation. And I love Jesus' response to temptation. Because when we respond to temptation in the wrong way, and we subject ourselves to it, that's what we call sin. But Jesus fought it back with the word. See, we spend a lot of time praying, God, just deliver me from this temptation. Take it away. Take Instagram away. Take these thoughts away. Take these things away from me so that I wouldn't be tempted in that area. Has anyone ever prayed that? Because I know I have. In the past, different things, different struggles. God, just remove this or remove that and take it out of the way. But, but the word says to lead me away from the temptation. So why am I praying that you would take it away? I know I'm going to be tempted. Lord, instead of, instead of taking the temptation away, rather, God, strengthen me. That when that temptation shows its head, I can say, ah, devil, I see you. And I walk away. And watch this. Watch this. When you make the decision in the moment, and that temptation is staring you in the face, and you turn away from it, that's your deliverance from that temptation. That's so good. And the more you do that, the stronger you get. 
And the more scared the devil gets, he says, oh, no, they're getting it. And last, and we'll close with this, for yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, and yours is the glory forever. And amen. See, when it comes to prayer, we have a part to play. We have to open our mouth. We need to begin to agree and align ourselves with the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and the will of God, and allow God to begin to move. But ultimately, again, it's a spiritual thing. So when you begin to see victory in the spirit and then it manifests naturally we can't say well it was because i fasted 21 days and prayed yes you had a part to play but rather instead of even partially taking any of the credit give it all back to him because his is the glory his is the kingdom and his is the power forever and amen give him the glory that is due his name listen if I build like a really cool thing, I, I don't know, I'm out of excuses or, or things. That does, if I build Captain Dave a really awesome boat, there we go. Sweet boat. Just, I mean, it's amazing. And I have Nick deliver the boat to Captain Dave. And he's got no idea. And Captain Dave rolls out. He's like, oh, I've hit the lottery. I just got the most amazing boat. He says, Nick, this is amazing. Thank you so much. He's like, yeah, I built it all. I'm going to be a little upset. Why? Because he just took the credit for something that I did. How can I take the credit for something God did in my life? No, 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 no. His is the glory. His is the power. And His is the kingdom forever. And amen. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. For more teaching like this and other material, please visit our website at www.oceansunite.com.